0: and bounced and i don't like not knowing amen and uh i gave them notes i gave these notes to them not notes but scriptures the other night and so i gave them back to them today and uh and i've sat up here and it's just kind of like have you ever tried to hit a moving target that's kind of way it's been this morning so i'm going to change everything so all of our tech people i'm your worst nightmare i get tickled i go places to preach and they'll send messages over do you have your title and text nope and this is horrible like I said, I this is just me. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm going to preach until I'm in the service. I know I should study more. I should be more prepared. All that stuff, but you know, and then I get tickled sometimes because it's like, can you send us your notes? I mean, it's like two weeks ahead of time. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why are you asking me about two weeks? <laughs> and. <laughs> But anyhow, so, ah, man, I, I, I want to talk to you about the church culture versus kingdom culture. I, I, I really thought about that. Here's the thing. I can preach five sermons in one setting. So if I get into this and it's not working right, I'll just stop and go to the other sermon. I'm going to hit every one of them until I find the right one. So we may be here for a while. I don't know. Amen. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to do that, that I wanted to, I felt like preaching another message. And this message is about um, losing control, but not out of control. The only way that Jesus could move from earthly ministry to the next phase of his ministry, which is faithful high priest. On the cross, he had to lose control. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He lost control. See, that's where God wants all of us to get. Where we lose control, we put it in his hands. But just because we lose control doesn't mean it's out of control. Now, God's controlling. That's the way I view COVID. We all kind of were in control of stuff and that church and all and then all of a sudden... Boom. And I'll tell you this, God knows how to mess with your stuff. You just get in a place of comfort and get leveled out and get secure there. You can either listen to when he's talking and do it, or he can just reach right in your life and just do that right there. Some of you act like you don't even know what I'm talking about. And, uh, I mean, he can really, and I'll tell you something else, transitions are hard. They really are. They're hard. I mean, it's easier just to stay where you're at. Level off, stay where you're at. You're secure there. It's predictable. Mm -hmm. There's sermon number two. (laughs) It's predictable. Everybody said amen. All right. Let's read a text. And uh, we'll start there and see how it goes. That last song they sang is what really moved me into this, and then Sister Morgan got up here and said something, just kind of a confirmation, so we'll see. John chapter one. And uh, let's read verse number. Let's read verse number one, and then we'll also read verse number 14. If you'll stand for the reading of the word, amen. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I like that verse, don't you? Let's read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Everybody say, His glory. His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Mm. Man, those are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I don't know how anybody can get Trinity reading those verses. You know what I mean? Boy, y'all are already quiet, amen. I mean, how in the world can you read those verses and not figure it out? Amen. I want to talk to you today about uh, God's glory. All right? God's glory. And uh, just, just give me a little leeway here today, and I'll try to lay the right foundation. What I want to happen is at the end of this message, I want God's glory to manifest. That's what I'm hungry for, and I believe that's what God wants to do. Let's join together in prayer. Father, thank you for the singing. Thank you for the anointed worship. Thank you for your presence. And now, God, I ask you that you would continue to move in this service. Help my mind to be clear, God. Let me speak what you want me to speak. And I ask you to confirm your word today with signs following. I take authority in this service right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe you to do great things here today. I believe you to do great things here today, God. And I give you glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, I'd like to see his glory today. While you're being seated. You could be seated, amen. Now, we have another dilemma today. And that dilemma is, when I preach on Sunday mornings... I preach until the first hunger pain hits. And when I start getting hungry, I start wrapping the sermon up. I'm going to go eat somewhere. You can levitate off the floor. Some of you are so serious right now, man. I'm telling you. I, I... I threatened the church at home. Now, this is the honorary side of me. I threatened the church at home that I was going to buy a GoPro. And I was going to have a hat and I was going to have that GoPro mounted right there. And then I wanted them to put it on the screen. I said, I want you to see what I'm looking at right now. Some of you look so stinking sad. I mean, dear Lord, it can't be that bad. I mean, if you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to have at least a little smile on your face or a little joy in your heart. Then, of course, we got the Pentecostals that just take themselves so serious. Laughing is a sin to them. <laughs> They're the people that walk around like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'm already starting off bad. Amen. I was in a meeting one time. Matter of fact, it was uh, a, the deal they used to do called Chinese Summit, and I was there. And there's another man that was there, and the whole time he sat down at the end of the table and he was going (laughs) well I got worried about him so I asked him I said are you okay what I said are you okay he said yeah I said well you're acting like you're in pain I wasn't quite sure if you're okay or not now he told me later I disrespected him in his ministry And I thought, you disrespected your ministry when you were down there trying to act spiritual. You can be real and be spiritual at the same time. And it's even okay for you to laugh every once in a while. The scripture says laughter is like a medicine. That's why some of you are so sick. I got ready to leave service the other night. Some guy walked up. said, you ever think about becoming a comedian? <laughs> well, I didn't till then, but I'm thinking about it now. Amen. <laughs> All right. Oh boy, what a, you know? Uh, Jesus, maybe I should just dismiss you right now. Amen. Uh, John, what, what? Last living apostle all the things that John wrote to us and uh, gave us great insight in. Now, John is dealing with some things because one of the things that he's dealing with is Gnosticism. And one of the, one of the principles of it is, is that there is nothing real or tangible. Everything would be considered logos or thought or expression of thought that's where they stopped that's exactly where they stopped so the best way for me to explain that to you would be you're not really real in this building a deity somewhere is thinking all of this so if you smash your finger in the door today <laughs> that's not real pain you're feeling that's just a twisted deity somewhere And so this is one of the things. Now, understand what that was doing, and that's why in his epistle he said, this is he that came by water and blood. Now, water and blood is the components of humanity. So he's saying, yes, Jesus did come in humanity. He was made flesh and dwelt among us. One of the other things is if that would be the case as they were teaching, then number one, it removed atonement out of the picture. Jesus wasn't a real man, so there's no need for atonement. Number two, it dismissed you from the responsibility of your sins because it really wasn't you that sinned. It was a God somewhere just thinking all this stuff. So it had a lot to do, and I think John understood all that. And then, of course, he dealt with that, and he also dealt with uh, uh, the lack of love in the church It's amazing to me, and I I don't want to spend too much time here. It's amazing to me that John writes from the Isle of Patmos the the messages to the seven churches. When he gets to Ephesus, he said, you've left your first love. And if you don't get back to it, God's going to remove your candlestick. Now, Ephesus was the most doctrinally pure church. It was the most apostolic church. They hated everything that was false. I mean, they had not denied his name, but they had left their first love. And so God says, I'll remove your candlestick. He didn't threaten Laodicea. He didn't threaten Thyatira. He didn't threaten any of the others to remove their candlestick, only Ephesus. Now, when you read that and you see, well, you left your first love. I, I know the way we view that, but the reality of it is this is what it means. You have quit loving God and quit loving each other. Now, wherever there is an absence of the love of God, then guess what has to creep in? Fear. He writes that to the church of Ephesus. Now, this is my study. And when he leaves the Isle of Patmos, guess where, gets where he moves? Ephesus. And he writes from Ephesus his epistles and his gospel. And so, uh, the place that all of a sudden, now, if you don't think that, I got a little truth in this then just just watch Timothy and Paul's letter to Timothy because all of a sudden Timothy becomes fearful again where we quit loving God and we quit loving each other then we start having fear we fear God we fear each other we fear life and so the absence of love fear comes in but it's there that he writes all this stuff now understand that uh, A lot of the other gospel writers trace back the genealogies to certain places. But when John picks up his pen to write his gospel, he says, let's just go to where it all started. Not back to Adam, not even back to who is it, David. Let's just go to where it all started. In the beginning, we're going to start in the beginning. Have you ever noticed that Jesus makes the statement later in John? He says, I will go back and share the glory that I had with you from the beginning. Now, I know people jump on that verse. They say, see there, there's the eternal son of God. He's going back. He, Jesus is not talking there about sonship. He's talking about being the word. I was the word in the beginning, and when this is all said and done, I'm going to be the word. Let me help some of you with something. God does not have the last word. God is the last word. He is the last word. Now, just hang with me here a second. So when you get there, in the beginning was the word, was the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Now, this is the best way for me to explain this to you today, all right? Uh, I, I have to break things down real simple for me to understand it. And this, this is the best way, okay? You could say it like this, okay? In the beginning was a thinker and the thinker had a thought and the thought was also the thinker. <laughs> well, all right, there you go. That's as profound as it's gonna get today right there. He's preached a message 154 years ago on, uh, about the thinker, when the thought become a thing is what I called it. Now, understand logos, it's thought or expression of thought. Everything that God has done started, started with logos. Am I making sense now? It starts as the thought of God. Uh, you're here today because logos, but it went further than that. So this is what the Gnostics taught. They agreed with that. They said, oh, yeah, we believe that you can have a thinker and we believe that he can have a thought, but that's as far as it goes. They were willing to admit that, but John said, oh, no, we're not going to stop there. We're going to go a little further. We're going to take this a little further. I want you to know that that thought, that thinker, was made flesh. So the thought is more than just a thought or a thinker. It has now become tangible. It has now become real. It has now become flesh. I wish somebody praised God right now. I'm glad I understand who Jesus is. He is not the second person of the fictitious trinity. He is the Word made flesh. He is God made flesh. He is the thinker and the thinker had a thought and they both become a thing. And the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. Boy, I'm looking at some of you serious folks out there again. And the thought become a thing and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now watch it. And we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Now, we beheld the glory you know, now I understand that John was on the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? He was there. He beheld the future glory. Well, oh, I could get into this stuff and just camp here for a long time. You know, it's amazing to me that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the top of Mount of Transfiguration, and then he's got Moses and Elijah. And they're up there having quite a conversation. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Jesus starts glowing like a light bulb light wasn't shining on him light was shining out of him right. Right. <laughs> he is transfigured before them those men now why why Moses and Elijah well this is my teaching is Moses is the law Elijah is the prophets and now you got the apostles so you got the law you got the prophets and you got the apostles bearing witness of who Jesus is Yes, you do. That'll put you on shouting ground right there. They knew who he was and they knew what he was going to become. Now, John was standing there and he's seen all that. He's seen this happen and the voice of the Father speaking and all. But that's not the only time that John saw that. Because in the book of Revelation, he pens these words. In the city where the Lamb is the light. Ooh, I've already seen what that looks like. John and those men were seeing Jesus in his glorification. I am convinced that that's the only way that Jesus could suffer and endure what he was about to have to go through because it says that Moses and Elijah were talking to him about the things that he was suffering in Jerusalem. How can you face the, the suffering that is before you if you don't know where you're going? You have to have the second witness. Boy, uh. is this okay? Second witness. First witness, John said, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, which he testified of his son, right? Where did God testify of his son? First witness of his sonship is in the waters of baptism. When he comes up out of the water and the voice speaks and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased. I talked about that the other day. That's the first witness of the Spirit. It's letting you know there he is. I know he don't look like much to you. I know don't let the disguise of his humanity fool you. And this is a part of what Isaiah said, that he would have no form nor comeliness, that we should desire him. I know he looks like every other Judean man walking through here, but trust me, that's what it looks like on the outside. If you could see what's on the inside, it's kind of like the Old Testament tabernacle. It's a red badger skin on the outside, but on the inside is royalty and purple and blue and splendor and the Shekinah of God. That's why when you look at Jesus Christ, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Bodily. Bodily. Everybody all right? I mean, that's the first witness. The second witness of sonship is on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son, and hear ye him. This is where he's going. Now, here's the thing. He is your example. See, you needed the witness of the Spirit when you were born again. You went into the... Oh, man, I'm, I'm... I'm stuck in some doctrinal stuff here. He went into the water. He was baptized. He comes up. The Holy Ghost come descending like unto a dove. And the voice of the Father spake saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased. Woo. Let me ask you a couple questions. Can I pick on you, Brother Sillman? Yeah, You're like, oh, dear God. <laughs> All right, let me, let me ask you a question. So when Noah... Went in the ark, he went in the ark in the old world. Correct? Water moved him from the old world to a new world. Is that right? What was the sign that there was a new world? (laughs) The dove. He sends out ravens, dirty birds, they don't come back. But he sends this out and the dove come back with an olive branch. It was the sign of new life. And when Jesus was in the water, he's showing us about a new creation and a new world. And when he comes up out of the water, there was a sign that came. There's a new creation, there's a new world. There's a new beginning right here. I want to help some of you with something here. Now, I understand why you don't understand why you say it. But you're still, I'm I'm an ex-addict. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm an ex-this. I'm an ex-that. No, you're not. See, that becomes your identity. That's what you want people to know about you. Something new doesn't have an ex So when you were born again and become a new creature, God removed all that stuff and said, old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. When you went into baptism, You went into baptism in your old world. And when you come out of baptism, my God, you come up as a new creature in Christ Jesus. That ought to put you on shouting ground here today. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All right, all right, sit down. Y'all taking up all my time right now. And besides that, I want the camera to see me. Either side's good. It don't matter to me. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'm awesomized by my own awesomeness. Amen. (laughs) Now watch this. That's the first witness of sonship. So you went into waters of baptism. You were baptized. You come up. You got this descending like a dove, Holy Ghost. And then the voice of the Father speaks. Now any way you slice that, that is a spiritual utterance. I won't say it again. I don't care how you look at it. It's a spiritual utterance. When it was a spiritual utterance. It was just bearing witness of sonship. Tongues is not the holy ghost. Tongues is the witness. Tongues is the father saying, that's my son now. Woo. You don't believe that? Get over to Romans chapter 8. Study that one out. Let's get over there and look at that one. Wherefore they cried, Abba, Father. First time you went to talking in tongues is the first time you could literally say, Right, Father, and he said, Son. I mean, at the same moment you went to talking in tongues, Father, Son. Here we are. Divine exchange. That's where you started. That's the first witness of sonship in your life. Second witness of sonship is on the Mount of Transfiguration. We all have the first witness, but very few of us get to the second witness. The second witness is where he allows you to see what you are going to become. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he appears, we're going to be like him. So let me put it to you like this. When it's all said and done, you're going to be glowing like a light bulb too. Because all the flesh, watch me, all the flesh has been done away with, and the only thing left is glorification and the glory of God. There's nothing to veil the glory of God now. Oh, yeah. I, I think I got the right one. It feels right it's all right now, so I, I'm, I think I'm okay. We'll see here in a second. Now, you need the second witness of something. Here's, here's what I've learned about people. People come up, why can't we do that? Why can't we say that? Why can't we put that on? When they start that nonsense with me, you know what I think right then. You don't know who you are And you don't know where you're going. Because John went on to say, And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So when, ah, Jesus. You ever read that verse says without, for there is no vision, the people perish? I know, well, that's a great leadership deal. But what that means is, is where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. They just live in the way they want to and without you getting the revelation of Jesus Christ and where he's at and where you're headed you'll want to you'll want to cast off all the rules the regulations the constraints but brother if you have got a revelation of who he is and you've got a revelation of what you're supposed to become you're glad to purify yourself I, I got to become like him that's where I'm headed I got to become like Him. Are y'all with me here now, let's, let's, let's hasten on here. What I was gonna tell you a while ago about eating is I had a good breakfast. Just, <laughs> I had chicken sausage, I had toast, Now I didn't have none of that nasty state tasting stuff that y'all try to talk me into. <laughs> I had honey and butter on my toast. I had some um, scrambled eggs. Mm. I'm starting to get hungry just thinking about that. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Now, let's go a step further here. Uh, Oh, some of you are starting to smile just a little bit. There we go. Now, here's the deal what really is God's glory? I mean, I, I, I understand what's the Greek. Docs or whatever, and I understand some of our interpretation of it, but what really is God's glory? Now, if I go from John 1, 14, and the word became flesh, when you show me the word being fleshed out or becoming a reality, I'll show you God's glory. where it's more than just Logos, and it's more than just thought, but it's becoming tangible. And it's, listen, glory in the Scripture, one of the definitions is intrinsic wealth. You ever read over there in the Old Testament where it talks about uh, God adorning Israel, with all this jewelry stuff? You ever read over there? I know some of you have, because that's the verse you use. All right, yeah, I can wear whatever I want to wear. <laughs> no, 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 that's... That's not what it was about. In those times, there was no currency. And so the way for a man to show you his wealth was to put it on his wife. So when you've seen her coming with all the bling, <laughs> you would know how wealthy he was. He was showing you his glory, his wealth, his worth. The word glory also deals with something that's weighty. Now, here's where we make a mistake. We mistake the presence of God for the glory of God. Listen, I hate to tell you this, but a a drunk can be in a bar and get to talking about Jesus and the presence of God come in. So churches that go around, woo! we have the presence of God in our service today. All right. I'm glad he showed up. Boy, I lost a whole bunch of you right there. I am you know, here's the thing. You you know, like I said last night, you know. Man, that one's way up there. You know, you know, oh, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Woo! I felt God's presence. Well, oh, what'd you expect to feel? Seriously. See, there is a di- difference, though, between you feeling God's presence and you seeing God's glory. I mean, all kinds of churches have his presence. You got churches in this city that has the presence of God. Sorry, sorry. That wasn't a good idea. You got churches, I mean, they have the presence. And people go there and they feel the presence of God. And they say, well, we must be okay we feel the presence of God God's spirit was here today boy y'all are looking at me really funny you get to singing talking about it he'll show up he inhabits the praises of his people he'll show up but where is God's glory let me, let me, let me explain something to you okay? who do I want to pick on now You have won the lottery here today. <laughs> you, you mind standing up? You go to church here? Yeah. Is this a good, good girl? All right, I want to make sure before I use her up here and just blow my whole message. All right, now listen. You have read in the Word of God. God has shared with you His thought, His logos, His Word. And you read things by revelation. And then you start changing your life to flesh that out. See, you can be in a church with the presence of God, but not see any glory, especially with the people. They're not living the Word, they just worship and praise in God. God is Spirit. But when you show me people like this good sister here that has been taught, Logos, this is God's thought, this is, ah, boy. This is the way that God thinks about this. And she says, it's gonna become more than logos in my life. God has shared with me his thought. Now I'm going to put this into being glory by fleshing out in my obedience to the word of God. Is now, come here, let, 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 me, let me pick on you. Are you married? Oh, you're not married? Where's the other little dude from Atlanta that's not married? You, I'm talking to you up there. I'm trying to help you out. I'm, I'm having fun, amen. Well, I don't know, maybe this is a God thing. Maybe I'm kind of, you know. <laughs> Go back and tell Brother Chavis, I found me a wife in Australia. Now, I'm, I don't want to embarrass you, I'm sorry. Here's the deal, Okay. See, there's glory of man and there's glory of God. You have to decide what glory you want to manifest. Oh, yeah. The world wants to manifest the glory of man. But her, when she walks into a place of business, it's not the glory of man they see. It's the glory of God because I am a person in obedience to the word of God. I'm fleshing out the word of God. I'm living my life. And when people see, I, I got some of you, I don't know if I believe that. Why don't you go read Romans chapter one? It says, if you want to see the glory of God, just look at creation. Just look at what you can see that reveals the glory of God. Even the eternal Godhead that reveals the glory of God. So don't sit there and act like what I'm saying is not right. I'm telling you right now, wherever God's word has become real and being fleshed out, then you're looking at the glory of God. So the object of your life is to go from glory to glory to glory. So that means revelation, revelation, revelation. Obedience, obedience, obedience. And by the time you get out of here, I know some of you aren't gonna like this statement. If God gets done with you, what he wants to do with you, you ought to be able to say the same thing that Jesus said. When you've seen me, you've seen him because this is his glory being made manifest in this world. Thank you. Let's clap our hands here a second. I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up alright I'm setting you up I'm setting you up see uh, churches that are losing the glory uh, I, I don't know if I should go here let's take a vote how many of you think I should go there can I see your hands alright it's your fault it's not my fault it's your fault When Moses comes down off the mountain, Paul says, yes, he had to put a veil over his face. And we think it was because, you know, it was so radiant, so, you know, that he had to hide it to sky. No, that's not what Paul said. What he was saying is, is because the glory on his face was beginning to fade, then the people would associate the law with that fading. So it wouldn't just be a fading glory. It would be a fading law. So he has to put a veil over his face because of a fading glory. So churches that are starting to lose the glory of God have to start putting veils over their faces so people can't see that the glory of God is dimming. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. This praise team, my God, man, y'all make me wanna sing, amen. I mean, I, I, just, just hear me out. But if we're not careful, when people come to our church, we're not showing them the glory of God. So we got to put on a good production. We got to put a veil over it. We got to make it appealing to the eye. Ooh. You ever notice Adam and Eve, they fell, and all of a sudden they're naked. You know what I really believe there? You ready for it is that they were clothed with the glory of God that word crown What does man thou mindfully? mindful if you've crowned him with glory that that's not just put a crown that means I have enveloped them with my glory and I believe that when they sin they 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 it was a departing glory if you don't believe that go read Ezekiel the departing glory of God so I think when that happened they had to find some fig leaves so churches have a tendency, and saints have a tendency, and preachers, when the glory is fading in their life, they either create a veil or they try to create some fig leaves to cover their nakedness, that there is no glory left in that church. I have seen denominations. I have seen churches that had a fading glory, and they thought that they could disguise it. They thought they could put something over it and that nobody would know. I do not want to be a part of something like that. When I come to the house of God, I want to be able to behold the glory of God and to see the glory of God made manifest. Let me, let me, let me start the wrap. There's two points I'm going to cover here just real, just real quick. All right, everybody see this uh, monitor? Did you know that monitor didn't just appear? Poof. You know where that monitor started? Logos. Some geeky person was sitting at their desk. <laughs> and all of a sudden, and they are thinking, okay, I can't so when God gets ready to do something in your life it starts with his logos or his word because therein lies the creative power of God is his word Whew. so somebody sitting over here is thinking about this okay alright and you know they start showing people their plans and they're like oh man that's silly you know you just keep the megaphone you know that would never happen. What in the world's wrong with you? I, I don't even know how to explain this stuff. I just know when it's working, when it's not working, when I wish it would work, and all that stuff. But I, I can't even tell you what all went into this thing. Now, I'm sure Brother and some of these other people that's involved with this stuff could probably explain this a whole lot better. But the deal is, it didn't start that. It started as a thought. It started in the mind of the creator. And then he speaks it. And then he draws it. And then he shows it. This is the blueprint. This is the design. It's still not a thing. You got the thought, you got the thinker, but it's not a thing yet. Have you ever read over there in Galatians where he says, And when the fullness of the time came, Christ was born of a woman, however that goes? Did you know the word fullness there means preach it, preach it, speak it, speak it? until it's full and it becomes a reality. So when God, listen, when God speaks to you and gives you logos or something, well, what about Rima? Don't, that's not getting all that. When God speaks to you what he wants to create in your life and what he wants to do in your life, you've got to learn to do this. I'm gonna preach it. I'm gonna speak it. I'm gonna confess it. I'm gonna keep talking about it until the fullness of the... Time comes, and then the manufacturer's gonna build it, and it's gonna be more than just a thought, it's gonna be reality, and what started in the mind of the creator. Am I making sense? What started in the mind of the creator. That's why when you get to Romans chapter 1, it all changes. Now you got man being the creator. They can change the image of God. Boy, you're you're seeing that happen right now. They're the creator. I think I'll sit here for a while. They're they're the creator. They changed, listen, when you change the glory, you're changing the truth. Read Romans 1. They changed the glory, then later it says they changed the truth. They changed the logos. And the logos is going to create something. It's going to cast an image. So people start thinking the way they shouldn't think. That's why when you get to the end of Romans 1, you got to reprobate mind their thinking and the way they see themselves. Now, all of a sudden, they want that to become real. I don't care what you say you are. You know, people say, well, you know, just say what you are and all that stuff and all, and it becomes a reality. Okay, I got one for you. I am a (laughs) multi-millionaire. That don't make me one. (laughs) Well, that went all over your heads right there, I mean. I just don't understand, but I do understand it because this is what Paul said would happen, where they would change and not be the creation, but they would change and be the creator. And then watch what they would produce. So watch what they produce. Everybody still good? Yeah. So when God speaks to you, he releases his logos, his rhema, into your mind, your spirit. Now, what are you going to do with it? Forget it, push it back, follow it away. No, you learn how to wait for the fullness of time. Now, I'm going to help you with waiting on the fullness of time. Would you like for me to help you wait? Because I don't mean come in here on Sunday, plop down in that pew and say, I'm waiting. No. No. What's this, when the day of Pentecost has fully come, that's the fullness of time. The Holy Ghost was going to fall on the day of Pentecost, whether there was 5,000 of them in that upper room or five in that upper room, because that's the fullness of time. The Logos had been declared from, from Isaiah and the prophets of redemption, and now the fullness of time has come. And so now it's time for it to become reality. Now, we know 500, as I said the other day, 500 start, and you got 120 in the upper room. They lost 380 people. And we think that they were all sitting in that upper room. Mm -hmm. Hey, help keep your mind where it ought to be because we got to have We gotta have unity here. That means we all gotta be thinking the same thought at the same time for this to happen. I've heard that kind of explained as the day of Pentecost. They were in one accord. That's not a Honda either, amen. They were were in one accord. They were all thinking the right thing and boy, once they finally all... But you know, if you got 120 people, you always got one carnal person in the group. That just about the time we get there, they start thinking about tacos or, or, <laughs> football or something. Amen. No, no, no. Listen, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind. The fact is, they've now come to the fullness of time. But what were they doing for ten days? Well, the scripture tells you in Acts, and they were continually in the temple praising and worshiping God. So how do you wait on what he has given you through his word to it becoming a reality? It's not sitting there trying to analyze it and be analytical and figure it all out. No, you learn from the time it's promised to the time it's fulfilled. You learn to spend your time praising and worshiping the one who gave you the word. Because when you're praising and worshiping him, you're letting him know, I believe in you. I I, I believe in you. I believe that your promises are yea and amen in Christ. I, I, I believe in you. I'm going to confess that you're God. I'm going to honor and I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to be at the right place at the right time. And it's going to be more than just a message. It's going to become a reality. And I'm going to see it. All right, all right, sit down. I'm done. I'm done. That don't mean anything, but I'm done. Now, you want to go a little further? Our churches have to decide whether they're going to be a word church or a glory church. What does that mean? I got Brother Woodward looking at me like, Brother Morgan. This is what I mean. You just wanna keep preaching about healing? It's in the word? Or would you like to see people healed? You can read about it in the word about people being delivered. And I'm gonna tell you something. Pentecostals have this tendency. We like to come and hear it out of the word of God and get the tingles going, woo, that's great and all. But we don't expect to see it. Now, I didn't come to this service today just expecting to preach to you a message i expected for god to confirm his word when i got to the end of this by saying if you're going to preach about healing i'm going to come heal people because i want my people to see my glory i don't want you just talking about it i don't want you just getting inspired about it i want you to pressing on until it becomes a reality so i'm here today to tell you that the logos said that by his stripes you are healed You can just accept that and say, well, that feels good, I like that. Or you can start right now saying, I'm about to turn loose my praise unto God right now. I'm not going to worry about a preacher laying hands on me. I'm going to praise and magnify God. And I just feel in my spirit today that the thought of God is now going to become a reality. God didn't just think it to tease you with it. He said, I want it to become a reality. And when they put that... Whipped to his back. He said, I'm doing this so it'd be more than just word. It'd be more than just logos. I'm doing this so it can become a reality to you. You just want to preach about deliverance? Now, I, I, I won't say this, and I won't be careful how I say it. I really do. I, I, I believe in this stuff, but I'm just seeing us get a little overboard with it. See, I grew up in a time that we believe. God could set you free from anything my dad's testimony <laughs> my dad's a mess if you think I'm bad you ought to meet my dad I'm a son of thunders, what I am <laughs> and uh, he was an alcoholic by the time he was 21 and he would my grandma and grandpa just got the Holy Ghost this is an 59, right around 60 my grandma and grandpa just got the Holy Ghost and my grandpa on my mom's side was the pastor so my dad would take grandma and grandpa to church drop them off and go drink my grandma told me, she said, your dad has picked us up from church. Said he was so drunk one night and had a cigarette in his mouth that I leaned up and said, Herschel, are you drinking again? Said he turned around and said, he burnt me right on the end of my nose with that cigarette. I thought, well, what'd you do? Beat him half to death? And, and that was my dad. Now, I don't know if it was God's conviction or my mother Because he seen my mom and fell in love. So he decides, I'm going to live for God. He comes to the altar, gets baptized, and immediately he's set free from alcohol. Immediately. Now listen, I don't have any problem with programs. I don't have any problem with helping people understand weaknesses and how to do all, I don't have a problem with that at all. But we must not ever move away from the fact that God can set you free in about 30 seconds. Matter of fact, I feel something move here right now. I got a little help here right now. We it, did I have just a, little, a few more minutes okay all right I mean what you know what are you gonna say nope sit down <laughs> we've had enough sit down please we put up with you all week. sit down <laughs> uh, I had I had brother Sam memory preaching revival for me and that that's just quite a history uh, when I took the Old Mogi Church it was lily white you know what I mean by lily white just white folks If you want a dull church, just have white folks. I can talk about it. If you haven't noticed, I happen to be white. And so God began doing it. So I, I, I was preaching where Brother Emery's fasting right now. He was one of the assistants there. And I turned around and I said, to his pastor, then his name, we called him Wild Bill Yandris. I mean, he was a character. I said, Brother Bill, can, can Brother Emory come preach a revival for me? He said, yeah, sure. So after church, I said, all right, Brother Emory. He said, I ain't preaching for you. I said, wait you mean you're not going to preach for me. I said, I felt in the Holy Ghost you need to come. He said, I'm not preaching for you. I said, well, why don't you want to preach for me? He said, because I don't like you. You intimidate me. I said, well, that don't matter. Come on anyhow so he came and preached three nights and at the close of the third night we're in the office and I said brother Emery I have a word for you he said what's that I said you're going to go home and you're going to quit your job and you're going to start evangelizing and I said you're going to evangelize for a season and then you're going to take your home church he said I can still sing you know brother Emery you've lost your ever loving mind I love my job. I don't plan on evangelizing. Nobody would want me to preach. I'd starve to death. And I know I'm not going to take my home church. I said, Brother Embry, I'm going to tell you again. You're going to go home. You're going to quit your job. You're going to go on the field. You're going to evangelize for a while. And then you're going to take your home church. So about two weeks later, he calls me. What would you do to me? I said, I didn't do nothing to you. Wait a minute. He said, I love my job. He said, now just, I'm enduring it. He said, what in the world? I said, well, you got a little Logos. <laughs> so then he, you know, then he calls back and he said, hey, listen, I, I'm, you know, anyway, let me get back. So Brother Emery, come preach for us. Now, Brother Emery is West Coast, California. I am in Oklahoma. Now, I don't know if you know what I'm about to say, but it is redneck country. I mean, they sang nothing but country music. All that singing through their nose, whining. I mean, it was just... So, I want you to come preach for me. Needless to say, that Brother Emery was like a shock treatment to that church. Because he got up there and said stuff. He was talking about our teenagers and what they'd do in the back seats of cars. And I mean, he was pretty graphic with it. And I was like, oh, God, have mercy. Jesus, help us. Please, Lord, help us right here. Because I ain't going to have a church after this but we survived now this happened after what I told you last night about us getting a break just a few months after that brother Emory's come back and he's preaching me a revival all right and he's he's walking across the front like this and we had phone chairs out I mean the place was packed and uh, so he was he was visitors all in the front pew I mean just all visitors and so brother Emory was walking then he paced back over here and, you know, he's in, you know, doing his deal. And so then he gets about right here and he's preaching. And then all of a sudden I seen it like right here. It was like a white light and it just twirled. And the Holy Ghost said, I have sent an angel of deliverance to this church. When he turned, when he turned, before God, this happened. When he turned, he started walking back across the front. And as he would walk and that angel behind him, when that angel would get where those people were, Brother Woodward, they'd just fall over backwards in their chairs, talking in tongues, being delivered. These are visitors, magnifying God. I took that so literal that I changed the name of our church from the United Pentecostal Church of Oak Mulgee to Deliverance Tabernacle. Now, I want you to listen. I could give you story after story after story of people that came into that church that the world had given up on. They're they're too far gone. They're messed up. They're just too far out there. And I can tell you of a lot of them that encountered that angel of deliverance. Now, we're not just supposed to speak and talk about he can set the captive free. We need to start seeing people instantly delivered from their addictions, their fears, their habits. I don't want to just tell people that he can set you free. I want to see them being delivered, and I want to see them being set free. I'm going to get spooky on you. Standing right there a while ago, I felt him. I felt that same angel walk in this service so if he's here then we're not just going to talk about deliverance today there's going to be a lot of people delivered in this service i don't care what your problem is god's about to set you free i don't care what you're bound by god he don't want to just you reading the scripture and get your hopes up he wants he wants to manifest his glory he wants you to walk out of here singing i'm free thank god i'm free i walked in bound but i'm about to leave set free i feel something stirring right now in the holy ghost i said i feel something stirring right now in the holy ghost i don't care how long you've been an addict he can set you free in 15 seconds i don't care how long you've struggled with anxiety and depression he can set you free in a matter of seconds Because God doesn't want you just to feel his presence. He wants you to see his glory. (laughs) Lift your hands and your voices and cry out to the Lord right now. Oh, don't stop. Keep praising him. Just keep praising him a little bit. Keep magnifying him. That's it. Keep giving him the praise. <laughs> All right, sit down, sit down, sit down, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna gonna see it happen. I'm not just gonna tell you that the word promises you the Holy Ghost. God wants it to be more than just a verse you read. He wants you to experience the Holy Ghost. And I will tell you, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will, according to the scripture, speak in tongues as a witness of the Holy Ghost, that you're becoming a child of God. You understand that? Hmm wind bloweth where it there, there's the sound thereof you can't tell where it's come from where it's going you, you hear the sound thereof you can't see it but you'll hear a sound and so is everyone that's born of the spirit the word sound in the Greek there is P-H-O hyphen N-A-Y phone A it's where you get the word phonics telephone would be telephone A telephone A is taking your speech and your phonics and your language it from there to there so what Jesus just said is when the Holy Ghost comes you can't see it but listen for the phonics and so is everyone that is born of the Spirit mm. now I don't know let's just start right here you ready to start right here if you're in this building and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you want to flesh out God's Word and you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you'll stand right now, just stand. Anybody here? I, I don't know if there's people here or not, but all right, there's one right there. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? You, all right, there's two. Alright? Is that the only only two in here? Alright, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna press you. You gotta have a hunger for it. Okay, now I'm gonna give you two simple instructions. Are you ready for it? How long have you been seeking for the Holy Ghost? Sir? Alright. Well, God's getting ready to <laughs> baptize you with the Holy Ghost get getting ready to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now here's what's going to happen. You ready for it? If your earthly fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto their children, how much more does your heavenly Father right. give the Holy Spirit right. to them that ask? Right. Anybody got any money? Anybody got any money on you right now? <laughs> My, uh, no, we gave it all last night in the offering. <laughs> who, who, who's got some money? Oh, yeah, big bucks over here. <laughs> I got to tell a funny story. Can I tell you a funny story? Yes, all right. How much is that? 50, 50 Canadian. 50 Canadian. Australian. It all looks the same to me. Amen. Okay, 50. Uh, where's uh, your, your son-in-law? Yeah. Where, where's he at? Is he? There he is. I, I hate to tell this on you, but it was just so funny. He <laughs> woke up last night after the service. And I said, you give that 5000 God told you to give? You have never seen panic come up in somebody's face. <laughs> you keep that ear open, you never know. Okay, lady, let me, let me start with you, okay? What's your name? Melissa? Sister Morgan, I heard it. Come here, Melissa. You really want the Holy Ghost? All right. Is this a lot of money for you? No, seriously. The, the girl that gave it, if I, if I give this away, I'll, I'll give it back to you. It'd be US, but I'll give it back to you. All right, you see that right there? Now, I'm going to show you how easy it is for you to get the Holy Ghost. You see that? That's a gift I want to give you. All right? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, Brother Morgan, Brother Morgan, it's on you right now. You'll be talking in tongues here in just a few (laughs) seconds. Say, Brother Morgan, can you do that? Say it out loud. Brother Morgan. Can I have that $50? (laughs) Ask me for it. Ask me for it. Just say, can I have that $50? Can I have that $50? Yeah, there you go here there you go it's yours you got it because you asked for it that's how easy it is for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost now if you'll throw your hands up in the air and just ask him according to your word you said if I ask, you'd baptize me with the Holy Ghost so I'm asking you for the Holy Ghost right now the, there it is It's on her now. Where's my buddy back there? Where's where's the guy? Come come on, come on. Uh, you ain't getting out here that easy. Come on. You really want the Holy Ghost? I don't want to put you on the spot, I want not embarrass you. All right, I need somebody in here who's got some money. Sister Morgan, you got any money with you? Another 50. Boy, y'all are loaded around here. Uh, Brother Harvey, this is how you take an offering right now. First of all, you got to let go of all the guilt. You hear me? All the shame, all the guilt. You got to get rid of it. Put the accuser under your feet. And don't let him accuse you anymore. All right? What's your name? Troy. Troy? Troy. You okay? Yeah. All right, we're going to do the same thing. This is how easy it is for God. Have you had the Holy Ghost before? No. This is how easy for God to give you the Holy Ghost. Okay? I want you to say the same thing. Brother Morgan? Morgan. Can I have that $50? There you go. Now, here's what I want you to say. Lord, according to your word, your logos, you said that if I ask you for the Holy Ghost, I would receive it. Let me ask you another question. You ready for this? You said you was raised in a Pentecostal home? Yeah. All right, Brother Woodward, we're on. What kind of relationship you have with your dad? Wasn't good? I don't have a dad. You don't have a dad? Okay, I'm just asking, there's a reason why I'm asking. Because see, he said, if your earthly father's being evil, know how to give good gifts. So when we don't have a father that's been giving us gifts or he's been abusive to us, that's how we perceive our heavenly father to be. And he's not going to vacate you and be truant in your life. And he said, I don't care what your earthly father did. If you ask me for the Holy Ghost... I'm a just God, and I'm going to baptize you with my spirit. It's going to happen. All right, you ready? All right, I need two or three of you men full of faith. Get ready. All right, I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to say, Lord, according to your word, you said if I would ask you for the Holy Ghost, that I will receive it. I receive the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. There it goes, right there. There it is, right there. There you go. Hey, you want the Holy Ghost, I don't have to come back there to you. Just get to your feet and ask you for the Holy Ghost and watch what God will do. Right, let them keep praying for him let them keep praying for him everybody else set back down they let them keep going let them keep going they're going to get the holy ghost she got it all right we got one. Over there there's so already received it i'm expecting a good report back there from this young man all right y'all ready if you're in this building right now and you need deliverance from something i want you to stand to your feet if you're in this i don't care what it is fear anxiety, depression, addictions, whatever it is, I need to be set free from this. One get. Testing. There's another one getting the Holy Ghost. Go and enjoy the journey, son. It's all right. You need deliverance, stand. Just just you need deliverance, stand. Alright, now here's what I want you to do. We're gonna pray for deliverance, and then we're gonna go from deliverance to healing. Alright? So if you need deliverance, stand. I want people that are close to you to look around, those of you that got some faith right now, because you're getting ready to go pray a prayer of deliverance, and I'm gonna pray over the entire service. All right, find you somebody. Start moving toward them right now. Just let it keep going over there. That's a good sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Lord, I sense that angel deliverance coming to this building. And I'm asking you now to confirm your word. Let it be more than just something that I imagine or something that I just say to hype people up. But let that angel deliverance walk through these pews and every person that's standing right now. I speak deliverance into their situation in the name of Jesus Christ. Be delivered in the name of Jesus. Lift your, if you need deliverance, lift your hands. And start accepting your deliverance right now i'm not going to be bound 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 we've been singing about it all week i'm coming out of that grave i'm getting rid of these grave clothes i'm breaking these chains come on that's it pray in the holy ghost for them be set free in the name of jesus christ If you're a believer, signs ought to be following you. You ought to cast out devils. Some of these people are battling with devils. Take authority over it right now. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Ghost and the power of God set you free right now. May be me, but boy, we used to wrestle people. If God gave me a little something, I'd go get a Bible. i not done. Hang on. Somebody got a Bible, a, a, an actual Bible? There you go. I want you to go step over that pew, get close to that lady right there. I don't, I'm not going to embarrass you, darling, all right? All right. You see that Bible right there? You got some spiritual activity going on in your life. All right? Now, if you will submit, submit yourself, therefore, to God, Resist the devil and he'll flee. But if you're not going to submit to the word, you have no power to resist the enemy. So are you willing to submit to that word? Everything it teaches. All right. Now I want you to open your mouth and for you to say whatever it is that's bound you, I want you to tell it, I have submitted myself to God. Now, I am commanding you in the name of Jesus to depart from me and to leave me alone. And these others, go go on, say it. There it is, there it is, be gone. That's it, some of you start rejoicing around her right now. We bind it, command it to go, cast it out in the name of Jesus. That's it, good sister, lift your hands and be free. Get her hands up in the air and let her be free. There you go, lift your hands, look straight up, it's coming right now. Rejoice in your deliverance, that's it, it. rejoice in it. He did it, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. There you go, go on talking tongues a little while. That's it, go and tell that thing, you gotta go. You've bothered me long enough. I'll not die by this. Anybody else that really wants victory, submit yourself to the word of God. Throw your hands in the air right now and confess it and say, I'm free in the name of Jesus. All right. I believe if you meant it, you're set free right now. I don't care what it was, you're set free. All right, sit back down. We got one more. Healing. Now, I agree with what Brother Woodward taught yesterday about gifts of healing. And uh, Brother Barnes had a conversation with me and talked to me about how that Certain men would gain authority over certain diseases. And uh, he spoke some things to my life and, and I've seen it come pass. But the other day, I took it a little further because you are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And sometimes we only focus on physical healing when a lot of times God wants to give us a spiritual healing and an emotional healing. So I believe that the gifts of the Spirit do include certain categories and diseases, but I also believe, standing here right now, as a living testimony that I preach to this church about, I am standing here as a living testimony telling you that God can heal you of emotional things. Now, we don't want to address that. We don't want to talk about it, but that's a big issue right now crown of thorns was pressed down on his brow for the healing and the purifying of your mind. We preach stripes on his back, healing of the body. We preach the pure side, healing of the spirit. But we, we shy away from that crown of thorn stuff and we've let the enemy tell us that God can heal me physically, God can heal me spiritually, but this emotional stuff, this mental stuff, it's too advanced, it's too far gone, it's too complex that God cannot heal me. I am here today proclaiming to you in the boldness of the spirit that Jesus Christ can set your mind free and can heal you of anxiety or depression or some emotional thing that you're dealing with. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you need a spiritual healing, an emotional healing, or a physical healing, I want you to stand right now. Go on, stand. All right, now let's do what the man taught us yesterday about the gifts of the spirit. So, sir, I don't know, I don't know what your need is, I don't, and I, you don't have to tell me. I don't know if it's spiritual, physical, whatever. I don't know what the need is. But if I allow the love of God to flow through me to you, then I'm going to ask God to let me operate in whatever gift is needed to minister to you. Like this, this come to me this morning in the Holy Ghost. He said churches and people that do not allow the gifts to operate are selfish churches and people because you're more worried about your reputation than you are in effectively ministering to another brother or sister. So God's getting ready to use some of you today in the gifts of healing. All right? So now... You need all these people standing. I want you to look around right now. Look around. you look around. Some of you good saints, look around. God wants to heal you today. God wants to heal you today. Amen. All right, look around. Find you somebody. All right, some of you good sisters. This good lady right here, she needs a healing. All right. Now, God's getting ready to use some of you in the gifts of the Spirit. Because when you go to them, this is what you're going to pray. Lord, I don't know what the need is, but I'm asking you that whatever gift is needed to operate, let it operate through me right now to effectively minister to this person. All right? We're not going to make it mystical. We're going to keep it in the very practical. All right? Now look around, and I'm going to pray a general prayer of faith over you. Look around, find you somebody, and I want you to start moving toward them right now. Pick you out one of these. You want to be used of God, pick you out somebody. Now Lord, according to your word, according to your word, let healing move into this building of body, soul, in spirit, by the authority of your word and through the power of your name, let it flow into this building right now in the name of Jesus. Woo. Let the believers right now lay hands on the sick and let them recover. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Come on, it's flowing in this, remember the river, let the river flow right now. Let the river of healing flow right now. Let it flow through you to that person you're praying for right now. In the name of Jesus, that's it, take authority. That's it, rebuke it and take authority.